You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 212. I'm your host, Andres Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelena Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, son, hey, son! Hey, Jelena's back! Oh, Jelena's back! Woo. We've missed you! <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys. How, how, have you, how, how have you been? Okay, yeah. It's been a... a, a, a I had to go around the world in three days or something. Wasn't there like <laughs> mm, a... <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know exactly. At some point, I did not know which airport I was in anymore. But, um, you know, I'm back to Seattle now. Yeah. And how did you cope with it? Because I'm, I'm obviously used to it, but uh, you, it was, I, as far as I know, are not. So it was it tiring, can be very tough. It, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's okay. It was tiring. I, I, I kind of at some point I, I like I was going to sleep at seven in, in the evening, which is actually great. I prefer yeah. to go to sleep at seven in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sleeping is for the weak-minded. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who has time for that? Who has yeah. time for that? Yeah, I think a lot of people are having a lot of time on their hands now around the world with all the quarantines going oh, yes. on with the spread of uh, the COVID-19. It's um, it's scaring a lot of people, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's um, one thing that the media can do really well. They can certainly whip up a good, good old panic around the globe yeah it will show in on this episode as well it's actually hard to find news that is not about the coronavirus or the covid19 um, yeah, yeah and I've, I've been thinking about that and it's ridiculous we did try so <laughs> we are looking at the same sources we are trying to get as varied of a list of things to talk about as possible but it's impossible yeah. so yeah. we cannot find anything but things related to COVID-19. Yeah, it's... um, And I don't want to, like, marginalize it and say, hey, it's not that bad. But um, this is what sells, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's uh, really interesting from our point of view as well, being a, a European podcast, because uh, the big scary right now is the fact that uh, Italy has been hit really hard. So then the numbers in Italy are going straight up. But apparently the authorities uh, reacted very quickly and uh, more than a dozen towns in northern Italy have been completely locked down. There are even people who go on a voluntary quarantine. So apparently the authorities went through what was necessary to to be done and they somehow managed to get the message through as well. At the beginning, there were a couple of uh, panic-like phenomena going on, like people posting pictures online of empty shelves in the supermarkets and everything. Hmm. But it went away very quickly. So our friends in Italy are reporting that uh, things are normal, things are taken care of very well, and people are not panicking, which is uh, understandable in a way. So if we want to use a couple of stereotypes, the Italians are not very famous for being the great panickers. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
yeah, I'm not surprised in that regard. But apparently it's being well taken care of. The problem is that by the time it turned out to be a really big outbreak there, a lot of people have been affected. And obviously, since many, many people travel to Italy all year round, even this time of the year, it means that a lot of people brought it back home. So there are countries with the virus present where previously it was non-existent. Mm. Yeah, I will tell you something about that in a short while when we get to talk about the news. Yeah. Well, so actually, I have something I want to just mention quickly, unrelated to coronavirus. Yay! Mm. I want to remind our listeners that we have one ticket to give away for SkepCon in Berlin in May. SkepCon is a conference that is organized by the group Givupi. Givupi? Givupi. The German skeptics. And it is going to be happening between the 21st and the 23rd of May in Berlin. All you have to do is email us at info at theesp.eu and say, hey, I'd like to go. And uh, <laughs> you'll be part of our draw. So we will await for your emails until the end of the March. Mm. Please get in touch if you're interested in going. I believe the program will be in German, though, so uh, you do have to be fairly fluent. Yes, or if you want to go there and just to practice your German, that's fine as well. Exactly, because I think everybody there would know how to speak English, so you can hang out with people. Oh yes, and then okay. kind of like pick up some lingo. Yeah, yeah, do that, do that, do that. So send us an email and we may send you a ticket, yeah. Yep, and it's info at theesp.eu. Yeah. Also, another thing before we start, we uh, got a shout out actually on the Reality Check podcast this week because a fellow called Andras Pinter apparently helped <laughs> producer Pat to sort out some of the emergency call numbers in Europe. So uh, he mentioned you, Andras, and he mentioned our oh. uh, mentioned our uh, show. So that was very nice of him. I want to return the favor and say that we, I at least, listen to the Reality Check every week and it's a really good podcast. And if you haven't found it yet, you should, uh, well, just do a search for the Reality Check. It's a Canadian podcast, but they cover topics that is relevant for the whole world yeah that is true and uh, it's uh one of those podcasts that are constantly on my feed it's been like that for a long long time a couple of years now it's just refreshing the number of topics they cover is just so wide that uh, it, it really covers basically everything in the world that you can imagine i really appreciate a shout out thank you very much uh pat it was nice of you and uh keep up the good work but i i haven't heard that one yet because <laughs> i'm i'm a little bit behind with my listening schedules just a couple by a couple of weeks not a big deal <laughs> Anyway, uh, the most important thing for us now is that we get this episode out. So, I think now we're celebrating that Yelena's back. I'd like to ask you, Yelena, to tell us something that has happened this week in Skepticism. 
Today, I want to just mention quickly something that happened on March 4th, 2002. So fairly recently, I guess you can say that. This was an announcement of bankruptcy of famous Holocaust denier David Irving, mm. um, historian. He was supposed to be starting to pay off the $2 million in legal costs awarded against him in the wake of his failed libel case where he uh, was trying to sue the American writer. And he failed to pay and he was announced to be bankrupt, which is, in this instance, a good thing to happen to him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so basically, um, he is still alive, by the way. <laughs> Holocaust denier. Uh, he's written several books and he was very knowledgeable about the Nazi Germany, but not in the way you'd expect. <laughs> uh, he kind of bent the truth a little bit and spread it all yeah. around. The controversial libel case between him and Deborah Lipstadt, who is an American journalist, became a movie called Denial, actually. Mm -hmm. Looks looks good. Um, I haven't actually seen it. It's a fairly new movie, 2016. So he here you go, if you ever were looking for something to watch. <laughs> but anyway, she subsequently wrote a book, History on Trial, My Day in Court with Holocaust Denier, and it was used as a basis for the movie. Yeah, so he's um, stated his views openly for years and years and years. He got into trouble for these views. He was even in prison in Austria for denying Holocaust. He was sentenced for three years, but he actually only spent one year in prison. Was totally shocked that he was convicted and put in prison for this. He thought the sentence was too much. Nevertheless, he lives in England now and uh, continues kind of talking about this. He lost quite a lot of his own money and the house, but I think in certain circles, his talks are still requested, so he found the niche. You oh. know, I really don't understand how a historian who applies any sort of degree of rigor in the research could still continue this unless he was just doing it to support his brand, you know, yeah. as much as, uh, callous, mm. as, as, as callous as it sounds. Yeah, but um... yeah, we, we're reaching a point in history now where almost all of people who experience this firsthand are going to be dead very soon. Yeah, so so he's uh, he's now eighty one. Yeah, depending on his health, of course, he might not be with us in the next couple of years. You're right. Yeah. I'm yeah. guessing the most historic books are accurately reflecting the reality. <laughs> but so what was interesting about his claims about this, the Holocaust thing, he was claiming that Hitler either didn't know or if he knew, he didn't know the extent or something, some sort of a excuse for Hitler. <laughs> so so you're, you're actually contradicting himself. It's First of all, it wasn't me. Second of all, I will never yeah. do it again. And, you know, yeah, the things yeah, like yeah. one excuse contradicts <laughs> yeah, the other. Yeah, or, or saying things like he opposed <laughs> the, the Holocaust. So Hitler knew about it, even if he knew about it, he opposed the Holocaust. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's, it's an interesting Yeah, stance. poor thing. He just had to go with it. I know, right? Yeah. He was just a victim yeah. of circumstances. Yeah. I'm he sure couldn't do he anything. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfairly accused and uh, misunderstood. But here got, comes David Irving and he's going to explain it all to us. Anyway, interesting, you know, <laughs> unacceptable. I, Holocaust denying is illegal in several countries. I believe Poland is another country where mm -hmm. it is illegal. 
and you might be yeah but they were hit probably the yeah. hardest so this, yeah. this, this, uh, yeah. i mean so, one so... of the countries that hit the hardest yeah. Yeah. losing yeah. a great yeah. proportion of their uh, population and i believe england isn't one of those countries that uh, no. made it illegal you know in this era of free speech i'm also reflecting on the kind of how it plays into this whole narrative you know oh i want to be free to speak my mind and i think we should be engaging people like him, actually, mm. rather than silencing them. And that's my yeah. stance on the whole. The way to, to combat wrong speech is by having more speech, not forbidding it. But it's, you so, know. Yeah. Mm. And especially when it's a, a massive conspiracy theory. A conspiracy theory can only be fueled by being silenced. Exactly. So it never adds to it, really. Just add, just add more conversation and discussion. Yeah, and I've always thought... That not always, I have to say, there were moments where while I was wasn't as I wouldn't say serious, but it wasn't as deeply cutting into the flesh as uh, denying the Holocaust. It was uh, evolution denial that I used to fight quite ferociously. Yeah, at the beginning, while, while I was so furious, I thought that the only solution can be that we have to ban them and we have to stop them from appearing anywhere. But then I realized that the only real means to tackle that is to confront them and to speak up and to try to educate their audiences so that uh, they don't go with that madness. But that's intellectually, and it takes a lot of effort. So if <laughs> you think about it, it's just probably out of uh, laziness if uh, you decide to just silence them and then, yeah, the job is done. Yeah. Uh, no, but I not. also think it actually fuels <laughs> the conspiracy, like you said, even further. Exactly, exactly. So here we go. That's who I kind of briefly wanted to mention today. Thank you very much, Yelena. Alright. And uh, we are moving on to our next segment in which Pontus pokes the Pope. In May last year, Frankie released a document called Vos Estis Lux Mundi. He likes his Latin, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this apostolic and letter. And you do too, was, don't you? <laughs> it was in response to the Synod on the sex abuse scandals that had been held earlier that year. And it called for all Catholic dioceses and organizations to take measures to stop sex abuse and to report them to uh, the authorities. And what happened next is not quite clear. He, he sent out this letter and nothing really happened. And therefore, Frankie has now appointed a special task force, no less, comprising of a number of high-ranking cardinals and bishops to help out the local and national organizations to help them adopt standardized guidelines and routines regarding how to handle especially the reporting of the things. Because what's happened so far is pretty uneven and very much up to the ambition or the competence of these local organizations. Some are probably taking this seriously, but some, again, probably haven't done anything or just gone through some motions for the sake of doing it. And in fact, a bishop called Juan Ignacio Arieta, who is part of this new special task force, he admits that the Vatican has no overview on the progress, if there is any progress at all. To the extent that any reporting mechanism has actually been created, he noted to a reporter that the deadline for that isn't until June, and uh, he said he doesn't really know what's happened so far. 
So hence the need for this task force. And I, I guess this is a good thing, but I of course cannot help wondering why it's taken so long to realize that it's not just enough for Francis to send out a letter for things to happen. You need to drive change proactively. I've been working with change management in business organizations for a long time, and I, I certainly know you can't just proclaim that some things is going to change and then everybody will change. You have to really enforce it. So the title of the letter, Vos estis lux mundi, actually translates to you are the light of the world. And that's not really driving the point that you better shape up or else. It sounds more like a love letter to me. <laughs> so um, now we have this task force. I like it. And in my fantasy, I so much want this force to be like the Spanish Inquisition of Monty Python, all dressed in red, popping up unannounced wherever sex abuse scandals happen, shouting, no one expects the papal task force. <laughs> I, um, I hope they can live up to that and then we may be getting somewhere. So that's what's happening in the Vatican at the moment. Otherwise, it's pretty slow. It is Lent which is a bloody boring period of Christianity. You're supposed to fast and declaring what a sinful and bad person you are. And you're supposed to promise God that you will do better. But tying back mm -hmm. to last week, when I pointed out that Francis is keen on the missionary aspect of the church, his communication to start the Lent period was all about that, all about spreading the word, telling others about the faith. Also, to stop being mean on the internet. He, he has discovered that that is a bad thing. Apparently, dear old Popey has received some mean words on Twitter lately, especially from certain right-wing forces within the church, and he does not like it. Oh dear. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, back to the missionary aspect. There are currently over 1.3 billion Catholics in the world, and the numbers are increasing slightly but the world population is increasing quicker. By 2050, it is expected that we will have 1.6 billion Catholics, but by then the Muslims are expected to be 3 billion. So I guess Francis may have reasons to be worried. Mm. I, I wonder why I didn't find any numbers on how fast the atheist movement is growing. I, I guess we need to work on that. Mm -hmm. Who would have thought that uh, he's got uh, thin skin, eh? Yeah, no. Some, some mean <laughs> tweets and he's already um, crying yeah. about this. Oh, yeah. dear. That's real life oh. for you, Pope. <laughs> anyway. Well, All right. Thank you very much, Pontus. Thank you. And uh, that means that we are moving on to our next segment, which is when we talk about the news. And, uh Yeah. Surprise, surprise! The news are full of items somehow linked to coronavirus. Let me start with Hungary. I mean, I'm not home, but uh, there are a great number of reports on what I'm going to say. So people are panicking. Okay, so can I just... Uh, this is just a self-congratulated thing. There is yet no cases of coronavirus in Latvia. Ah. <laughs> yes, let me just check that. Uh, it's being covered it's, up. It's all a cover-up. Yes, there is. Uh, <laughs> and actually, actually, why it is phenomenal is because there is one case in Estonia. Yes, I know about that. And there that. is one case in Lithuania, but there are no cases <laughs> as of <laughs> yet <laughs> uh, in <laughs> Latvia. So congratulations, Because nobody Latvia. wants to go You've... there. So that's, that's the reason. 
whatever, dude. But on the other hand, we have to say that doesn't necessarily mean that the virus is not there. Uh, we just true. don't know about it. Right. Yeah. And uh, it could be the case with Hungary as well. And especially because Hungary is very close to Italy and a lot of people are going to Italy, for example, on skiing trips and the like. So there are people in quarantine in Hungary, but uh, they are quarantined in hospitals. So house quarantines and uh, lockdown towns are not yet happening. And to my knowledge, the government uh, is communicating this fairly well the needs but the problem is that they don't do what the usual things are that they do because when it's a political campaign they use social media like crazy so it's the great tool for them and this time they don't use social media to spread the actual information issued by the authorities they only use usual media outlets and it's not as effective as it turns out. So on social media, a lot of scary stuff are spreading. But I think for some reason, Hungarians, yeah, I, I don't really like stereotypes, but I do think that us Hungarians are equipped with some kind of a special sense of panic. Yeah, but, you know, for a guy who doesn't like stereotypes, you've used them twice already this episode. <laughs> I know. Just saying. Yeah, I, I, I didn't say I'm not using them, <laughs> and I don't have them in my mind. I said that I don't like them, because I appreciate that even though, to some extent, stereotypes are there for a reason. They are, to some extent, based on experience. Anyway, so... Um, Whenever we can, we are ready to panic we, because, I don't know, it just gives us the thrill or <laughs> that we need to go on or I don't know what it makes the life with. worth living. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of us definitely don't know where our towels are. So <laughs> I got that reference. I hope everyone gets the reference. Yeah, okay. I don't know. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, yeah. Don't panic. Uh, anyhow. The thing is that so many people started to panic that even though the quarantines are not happening and just what I said earlier, people started to run down supermarkets and hypermarkets all over the country. So I've started to notice people from my family and my friends online reporting and complaining about not being able to buy stuff. Because when they entered the, the supermarket, the shelves were completely empty and mm -hmm. it was like Armageddon is happening. It is starting to consolidate the, the situation, but apparently there was a real rush. Every time there is some kind of holidays coming up, it happens to some extent that people are rushing into the shops and buying stuff in a bulk. And what what kind yeah, of stuff? Or random stuff like all the coffee or whatever? No, no, no. Obviously, it's the the long lasting stuff. Mm -hmm. So like stuff that you can uh, you can store for a long time. Spaghetti, <laughs> yeah, all the different Rice. kinds of pasta, canned mm. food, and flour and things like that. Mm. Yeah, people are just uh, stocking up. But uh, the quarantines are still not happening, so I'm I'm really looking forward to what those people are going to do in the end. The stories are circulating like crazy, but the worst thing is not that. The worst thing is uh, that uh, the scare coming basically from Italy, uh, there was a list of uh, recommendations that is said to have been originating from Italy, from an Italian doctor or something. And it is circulating in Italian as well. 
someone uh, did an actual translation of that document and started to spread it uh, in Hungarian as well. I hear that, and there have been reports of more and more resharing it, not only on Facebook, but even by GPs sending it straight to their patients. It wouldn't be a bad thing if this document contains information and recommendations that actually make sense. But that is not the case. <laughs> Surprise. Yes. Unfortunately, there are outright lies about the coronavirus. So, for example, things like that the size of the virus is so big that any kind of face mask can filter it. If you're wearing a face mask, that's more than enough. That is not true. No. Don't believe if anyone says that. The size of it varies, but it's definitely not as big as anything that can be filtered out by a regular face mask. Things like if someone uh, sneezes in front of you, just stand more than three meters from them because uh, then the virus will just uh, drop on the ground and that's it. It's not the case either. So as an aerosol, it can circulate in the air for a long, long, long time. And uh, things like uh, what the most specific symptoms are, they basically try to convince you to self-diagnose, which is absolutely oh. a no, 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 no. The authorities say that if you experience any kind of respiratory illness symptoms, you should stay at home, you should contact your doctor, try to tell them what the situation is, and self-quarantine. That's the most important thing to do. Not think that, oh, it's not coronavirus, so I'm okay. Don't do that. Don't self-diagnose. Just be careful and be cautious. So I'm not going to go through the, the complete list, but it's ridiculous. And it, it gets even worse. Not only GPs started to spread that without questioning anything that is on the list, but the president of the Hungarian Chamber of Pharmacists edited it very nicely, but only on the outside. So the look of it is very professional, but it's the same sentences that uh, were used in the original document. It's just uh, ridiculous. The same nonsense is being spread, but uh, very well edited. And uh, they sent it out to all the pharmacies in the country <laughs> as recommendations. And one of the news outlets, Index, actually contacted him and uh, he basically admitted using this but claimed that it was not a translation of the original Italian document but it was his own compilation and he stands by it. So now a lot of pharmacists and a lot of GPs are furious and understandably so. So, but what what is the motive for doing these things? Seems stupid. I, I, I yeah, it is stupid. I think it was aimed to stop uh, the panic from spreading mm -hmm. and uh, try to calm people down, so that uh, there are very easy steps to follow, and uh, you don't need to worry that much about the whole situation. But I think the reality is even simpler than that. If you experience any respiratory symptoms, then you should be careful and you should not consider yourself dead already, but <laughs> please consider the possibility that you might contract the coronavirus. And if that is the case, you should stay away from people. And this is why I've heard a lot of people 
who live in the affected areas or close to the affected areas, uh, for example, in Italy, they self-quarantined. And that is the most sensible thing to do. And now there are recommendations to stop people from uh, traveling to Italy, which means I might end up having a lot of time on my hands in the next couple of mm. weeks. Because once I, I'm currently in Thailand, where the situation seems to be very stable, there are much fewer tourists in, this, in the country than usual at this time of the year. But uh, everyone is calm. Everyone is uh, is so relaxed about the, the, the situation. So there is no panic whatsoever. But uh, when I go home from here, I am supposed to go on tour, three consecutive tours to Italy. So they might end up ca uh, being cancelled mm. at some point. Who knows how much time will I have on my hands in the next couple of weeks? Wow. <laughs> so th does that mean you have a financial problem? Will you not get paid then? I might. <laughs> All right, so go to patreon.com slash the ESP and subscribe to our podcast so that Andras will survive this uh, coronavirus disaster. Yeah, I will survive. Yeah. Oh, as long as I know how to live, I know I'll stay alive. Okay, now we're okay. singing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but if you don't know what to do, if you get uh, the COVID-19 disease... I know what to do, or at least uh, a couple of Norwegian people know what to do. Norway, by the way, just had their first case, so congratulations, Norway. Uh, a Norwegian Christian TV channel called Vision Norge, which means Vision Norway, asked for donations on live TV last week and demanded that viewers send in 2020 Norwegian kroner, so 2020, that's the year. That's about uh, 200 uh, euro. And if they did so, that would protect their children against the coronavirus. According to reports, the two TV hosts said, quote, Protect your children and no harm should come to them. What are you waiting for? Call the number below now. You only have 40 seconds. End quote. 40 seconds. This is <laughs> the, the coronavirus is spreading faster than I thought. And this phrase was given both in Norwegian and in English. So, I mean, there is no mm. lack of ideas on how to make money of this new scare, the coronavirus scare. And uh, mm. it confirms my opinion, which listeners may have picked up over the years, that I'm not a very big fan of religions and... Um, <laughs> The good thing is that this TV station got a lot of pushback from also other religious outlets. They no no one was very happy with this stunt that they pulled, but uh, I I think it's despicable. And I wonder how many actually fell for it. Who who thinks that you you send two hundred euro to a TV channel and that will protect your children from the virus? But uh, you never know. I'm sure they got some money. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's it's not a long-term scheme, I think. So it, it's just a typical example of opportunism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's I think it's despicable. So, guess if the ne next news will be about coronavirus? <laughs> <laughs> All no, right. No, you must be joking. Okay. Can't be. Let me see if I can pronounce the word that I will be using several times: Oscillococcinum. Oscillococcinum. Okay. So, 
the homeopaths chimed into the conversation about coronavirus, of course they would. <laughs> and uh, this, the homeopathic solution to coronavirus is a drug called oscillococcinum. I wouldn't call it a drug. <laughs> Sorry, that's a that's a big uh, yes overstatement. <laughs> the sugar pill called oscillococcinum. <laughs> yeah, oh, they're much 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 closer to the, to the actual. Truth. <laughs> exactly, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> The producer of this product, a company called Boiron, um, ah, Boiron, Boiron, oh, Baron. Ah, it's French, yeah. Yeah, they've been peddling all sorts of mm. nonsensical claims about how this sugar pill can reduce duration and severity of flu-like symptoms when taken at the onset of symptoms. Again, it's one of those things. It's like um, wildfire spreads really fast. Uh, these claims have been picked up on various social media sites and uh, retweeted and changed. And so uh, the oscillococcinum. Whatever. Coccinum. Yeah. <laughs> the oscillococcinum, yes, gaining momentum, you know, being promoted more and more as something to take for this um, virus. Uh, FYI, for those who care. <laughs> There is no vaccine and no medications one can take to cure it. So just let this virus work through the system. But anyways, so that's um, this oscillococcinum has been in uh, circulation for a while. The claims have been made in the past that it, it can help to recover from the flu. And of course, now they jumped on this bandwagon with the coronavirus. I mean, why, why wouldn't they? <laughs> it's just another way to sell this sugar pill. Which is exactly what it is. None of the claims are based on any evidence or substantial studies. They do refer to some studies. They refer to two studies, cherry-picked studies, that apparently show some sort of significant variance. However, there, there wasn't enough studies done, and uh, we cannot take it as a conclusive result. No. On, on theoretical grounds only, it cannot work because they dilute the active exactly. substance so much that there's nothing in the water yeah, that they exactly. eventually drop on the <laughs> exactly. sugar pill. It is it, nothing. It, it's exactly. astounding. Exactly. Yeah, uh, don't bother with it. <laughs> also, I think, it, isn't, isn't it ironic that a lot of promoters of alternative treatments, they always say that, well, school medicine or standard medicine only treats the symptoms and not the whole patient and not the cause of the actual disease. And then bloody homeopathy is only yeah. based on looking at the symptoms. Whatever causes a certain symptom can also be used to mitigate that same symptom. And, and Like uh, cures light. Like yeah. cures light. So <laughs> I mean, I, it's not internally consistent for one second. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you know where oxylococcinum originates from? God. No. Uh, uh, during the Spanish flu of 1917 and 18, a French physician found that in uh, blood of the patients, they found some oscillating bacteria-like things. And later, something very similar was discovered under the microscope of uh, the livers of certain ducks. So mm. this, the preparation, the original preparation is now made from uh, duck liver and heart. And then the dilution comes. So it's just ridiculous. Why Why was that? It, it only has to do with uh, something that they found in the blood of patients who contracted that uh, influenza virus that caused a Spanish flu. So uh, it doesn't make sense whatsoever. 
And yet it's been in circulation since, uh, I think, after the Second World War or something. So it's been on going on for a long, long time, decades, actually. Hmm. All right. So, uh, still talking about the coronavirus. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think this one is, uh, is very important for everyone to read. Daniel Jolie and Pia Lamberty, researchers from uh, Northumbria University, Newcastle, and um, uh, Johannes Gutenberg University of Mainz, uh, respectively, they published on The Conversation uh, a very interesting article on uh, how conspiracy theories emerge from this coronavirus situation, as that uh, the, the title is that coronavirus is a breeding ground for conspiracy theories, and here's why that's a serious problem. They start with how the spread of conspiracy theories can be linked to any kind of moment of crisis in history. And uh, obviously, we can see terrorist attacks, political uh, forces gaining ground that have previously not had that much support, especially extremist ideas uh, and, uh, unfortunately, far-right or far-left ideas. So, interesting to see what's going on, for example, in the US, that uh, very far-left candidate is basically winning the Democratic nomination. And we see what's going on in Europe, uh, in several countries across Europe. But uh, when conspiracy theories uh, start to bloom, the problem is that that kind of uncertainty results in uh, a disrespect and a distrust in authorities. And since authorities are the ones who, who need to and try to make sure that things are being taken care of, especially in a crisis situation, when the distrust in medical authorities, for example, starts happening, then people turn away from the recommendations and those authorities and instead try to find alternative solutions. So this is how people turn towards homeopathy and uh, other bogus ideas and totally unsubstantiated claims from uh, so-called uh, alternative health professionals. But those are not health professionals, uh, we, we have to say. So the severe consequences are that people not following the recommendations can uh, dismiss everything on the list of recommendations offhand and say that uh, whatever they th the, these people say, I'm not going to follow that because screw them. It's a, it's a hoax. We've heard it from probably still the most powerful person on the earth, Donald fucking J. Trump, <laughs> that uh, the coronavirus is a hoax. So if that can happen and that starts spreading, it can have serious consequences and we don't know what it will lead to. It's basically a very good uh, list of uh, things to think about, this article, that we will definitely link to. Mm -hmm. I'm very happy to see that uh, they even did a couple of recommendations as to how to tackle the problem. So, bad news, which we talked about uh, with uh, Sander van der Linden when we interviewed him, is a game that you can uh, practice your skills of uh, identifying and uh, tackling conspiracy theories and uh, different bogus claims that are circulating online and uh, in the media. So how you can be a critical reader of different news. And uh, they recommend that one. And I'd like to add to that recommendation something that is coming up 
uh, that is the Cranky Uncle app that uh, John Cook told us about, yeah. uh, whose uh, book Cranky Uncle versus Climate Change is now out and available since the 25th of February. So there are very good tools out there. We should use them. We should promote them and uh, try to find counter-arguments uh, to conspiracy theories. And we can't wait for, now that I mentioned John Cook, for um, their new book with uh, Stephen Lewandowski, which will be the Conspiracy Theory Handbook. I think we all need that very badly. <laughs> oh, yes. All right, so I win because... <laughs> I have the only news item this week that is not about the coronavirus. Haha. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm going <laughs> to one. totally drastically talk about something completely different. The PSA in the UK, that's the Professional Standards Authority, was challenged by the Good mm -hmm. Thinking Society last year for keeping the Society of Homeopaths in the list of accredited organizations. Good Thinking did this because of the Society of Homeopaths has not taken any actions against members of the society promoting something called CEASE therapy. And CEASE is an acronym standing for Complete Elimination of Autistic Spectrum Expression. So this is ostensibly something for autistic children. And it's claiming to be an anti-vaccine cure, quote-unquote, for autism. Now, this challenge that the Good Thinking Society uh, issued is regarding the 2019 accreditation, and that will be heard in the High Court on 18th of March. But on 13th of February, the PSA issued a new accreditation for the Society of Homeopaths for 2020. So that's a bummer. However, this time, it was a so-called conditioned accreditation, which stipulates that society of homeopaths fulfill certain criteria. So now they must A. Make a statement that ceased therapy cannot be used or advertised by their members. B. That their members must not provide advice on vaccinations or offer alternatives to vaccinations. C. They must provide quarterly reports to the PSA to show the progress in fulfilling the conditions within 12 months. And D, they must complete and publish its guidelines on supplementary therapies and inform the PSA how it will promote compliance of these. So I think some of us hoped that the PSA would not issue a re-accreditation at all this year. But... If the Society of Homeopaths comply with all of these uh, conditions, at least on paper it would satisfy the complaints of the Good Thinking Society. But I, I don't know, the Society of Homeopaths in the UK doesn't have a good track record of uh, policing its members, so I'm not sure how well this will work out. And the hearing in front of the High Court is still on because that concerns the 2019 accreditation, not the 2021. And the, the 2019 accreditation is challenged by good thinking to be unlawful because it didn't have any of those conditions attached to it. So we'll see what happens when the day in court will come. And of course, we will follow up if the Society of Homeopaths will not comply with the new conditions going forward. 
we must agree that uh, Good Thinking Society is doing a lot of good work in, in the UK, especially against homeopathy, but also other things which we have talked about in the past. Hmm. Indeed. Hmm? I think I have one to finish with that also has nothing to do with coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't help yourself. Huh? And uh, yeah, it's, uh, I found it on uh, Ed Zadern's blog. And he reports that the German court defends the madness of homeopathy. So oh. the, what we're talking about is um, homeopathic preparation made out of uh, human chorionic gonadotropin, HCG, which is basically a pregnancy hormone. Well, that hormone supports the development of an egg in women's uh, ovaries, stimulating the, the release of that egg as well. It's not completely clear who the plaintiff was. According to the original article, it's an association of uh, chambers of commerce and pharmacists and pharmaceutical companies that uh, filed the lawsuit. And it's the preparation of a C30 potency. So that means um, dilution of uh, 1 to 130 times. Which means that there is definitely nothing, nothing in it in that uh, preparation, and the plaintiff argued that uh, this completely misleads the consumers because it's basically placebo. Nothing can be in that uh, preparation anymore. The manufacturer argued that they comply with all the rules of manufacturing homeopathic products. Then they did nothing wrong, and to the law, it might be the case. So the regional court of Darmstadt dismissed the case and said that uh, there's nothing wrong with this and uh, they comply with the law. And uh, I don't know how this whole thing can happen. Law courts should not decide on a scientific issue. And this is basically a scientific issue. But once we made it legal to sell something of this uh, kind, I think uh, it's unstoppable. So, yes, that happened in Germany. All right. I think that has been all that we had in terms of news. So why don't we move on to our next item, which is when someone has been really wrong lately. Yes, and of course we're going back to coronavirus because not even I, not <laughs> even say. I could find a really wrong that didn't have to do with this. And this is a good one. This is from Norway. It's not just a Christian <laughs> TV station that I mentioned before who's talking about coronavirus in Norway, but also members of the royal family. I think I have mentioned before that Princess Marta Louise, the oldest child of King Harald or Harold, is a self-proclaimed clairvoyant and a speaker to angels. And since a couple of years, she is in a relation with an American called Durek Veret, who claims to be a shaman. (laughs) Regarding monarchy, I just want to point out again that if Norway had a modern constitution that did not discriminate against the women, Marta Louise would be the next in line for the throne. I'm just saying that. Monarchy is clearly a stupid way to appoint people to important jobs. But anyway, this Durek guy is generally considered a conman by most Norwegians, and rightly so, because he really seemed very crazy. 
His latest stupidity concerns the coronavirus outbreak and how to cure it. This is what this nutjob posted on Instagram, and of course it immediately got thousands of likes. So listen to this. Mix two tablespoons of witch hazel or vodka with five drops of lemon oil, three drops of rosemary. But by the way, rosemary doesn't come in drops, but that's another point. But two I like drop- the vodka part. The vodka part is <laughs> the only one I, I like too. So, And then you add two drops of pine oil and five drops of tea tree oil. At the end of this, the recipe confusingly says that you have to make sure that you use distilled water, although it doesn't mention water in the list of ingredients. Then it says that you can use it as an oil or a spray, and I don't know what that means either. And of course, it doesn't mention where, how much, and how, or how to apply, or perhaps ingest it. Then there's another note saying that if you want to, you can leave out the witch hazel or the vodka, but uh, that's the only good part, right? The vodka. Clearly, this is nonsense. You can't make this up, or rather, he apparently did. So a little bit about who this Durek guy is and what he's done. He has claimed to have healed people, in one case from cancer, although he had to take that back afterwards. He has claimed that bad thoughts can cause cancer in children. He has come back from the dead at one point. He says he predicted the 9-11 attacks. He has told stories about his heritage that has obviously been wrong and have been debunked. He has also claimed that he can, quote, influence atoms and electrons, end quote. And he has also had Gwyneth Paltrow as a client, whatever that means. At least that part seems plausible. She believes in anything, apparently. Princess Marta Louise has also claimed that Durek has healed her without specifying how or from what. Durek and uh, Marta Louise have toured together, giving talks or some sort of performance show under the name The Princess and the Shaman, which did not sit very well at all with the rest of the royal family. They seem to be quite embarrassed about her. The couple has also been guests on a very popular Norwegian-Swedish TV talk show called Skavlan. And last year, Durek published a book with the pithy title Spirit Hacking, Shamanic Keys to Reclaim Your Personal Power, Transform Yourself and Light Up the World. (laughs) It's not a good sign, I think, when you pick up a book and you feel that you cannot even bother to finish reading the full title. So I cannot understand how anybody's taking this guy seriously. He bears all the hallmarks of being either a compulsive liar or a con man or both. So uh, don't try this recipe of his to try to cure the COVID-19 disease. I'm Mm. I'm pretty sure it won't work. And uh, yeah. I cannot even make Just fun of this guy. It's so he's yeah. so ridiculous in itself. So I don't, can't say anything funny about him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So to round this off, for spreading dangerous nonsense about an obviously stupid coronavirus quote unquote cure, and for generally being a first class idiot, this Norwegian American so called shaman Durek Veret, he gets today's prize for being really wrong. 
I don't know what um, is congratulations in order here. No? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It may be the only kind of prizes he wins. So. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, being a boyfriend to the to the princess, I think uh, he got a pretty good catch for himself at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, of this whole thing. In a, in a way, <laughs> he's an he's an amazing guy because he's made a career of be doing totally absurd things and saying totally crazy stuff. So. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Anyhow, thank you very much, Pontus. Thank you. And uh, that basically concludes our show. But before we go, as usual, I'd like you, Yelena, to share a quote with us. Yeah, I have an old quote. You have an old quote? Old quote. Back in 1600s, Blaise Pascal said the following, People almost invariably arrive at their beliefs not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. And I can still say it is stands true today <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> Yes, it does. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think that's something we, we, we all have to. We, we all have to be wary of that because it's easy for, to do, even if you try to be skeptical. Yes, it is. Yes, and and uh, we say it very often. And to non-skeptical people, we might sound like arrogant dickheads who are annoyed all people. And sometimes but, uh, we are. Yeah. yeah, sometimes we are. We need to work <laughs> on that. But uh, I do believe the necessity of us being aware of uh, the different side ways that, that our uh, thinking can go is that we are aware of the faults of our own minds. We are all faulty like that. We are not better. Skeptics are not better in that regard. We just try to avoid situations when our decisions are made based on false beliefs. And uh, we know how we can get to those points and uh, get to the, the, conclusion, the wrong conclusions. So we try to avoid that by applying mm. the methods uh, that have been discovered. Mm. That's the, the basic idea. So if we know what we are aware of what Blaise Pascal said hundreds of years ago, then uh, it's a good start, I think. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. So thank you very much, Yelena. I usually try to think that we skeptics are not smarter than others. Actually, we know yeah. we're not smarter. So we need to use a lot of tools to keep us exactly. on the right side. So Yeah, that's what, that's what I was trying to say, but uh, yeah, yeah. apparently I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just... Uh, but I, I do agree, I do agree, definitely. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Okay, well, guys, I think this has been all for today. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Yelena and Pontus, for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks, guys. I'd like to thank our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Paka paka. Hey, do. Visla. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, 
please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Kisha J. Gray and George Rubb and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. You know what to say, right, Andras? Or should we? Really he doesn't mind? look like he does. Yes, I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. <laughs> I thought Pontus spoke the coronavirus. No. <laughs> I'll do that later. Sorry, no, I should d- delete this. This is, should not make it to the... That's a very... No. <laughs> I'll take that again. That's a stupid sentence. I wonder who wrote that. <laughs> <laughs>